I told her I don't want a tiny house. I don't touch guns. I don't touch dice. I don't touch pans. What is that, a bird cage? Another bird cage? So this is how the birds get in? The house has a bird problem. What happens when it rains? Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, May 18th. Happy play-in day to everybody out there. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, all playoffs long, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. <laughs> and last, certainly not least, making the magic happen, it's J.D., Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team. Joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button. Leave your comments. And if you haven't already, come on, subscribe. And also, make sure you join us. No dunks. A little later today on YouTube, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time for a special bonus podcast with MSNBC host Chris Hayes. We're going to talk to him about challenging Dr. Fauci to a game of (laughs) one-on-one. The trajectory of his Chicago Bulls and how he possibly, maybe, inspired Steph Curry to go bonkers this season. So, yeah, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun talking to Chris Hayes about hoops. So join us. Make sure you subscribe. Just subscribe to No Dunks so you know when we're going live. Email us your questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin' podcast. Send them in, nodunks at theathletic.com. And finally, go grab yourself some sweet No Dunks merch to rep the brand at nodunks.com. That's the very simple URL to remember there. There might be another limited edition wedgie shirt coming around the corner now that we've actually set the all-time record. What are you doing that for? Why the air quotes, Lily? Limited edition. Like the last one was limited. <laughs> well, it was limited. It was limited in the sense of like a time frame instead of just mm. a number that they made. Right. Uh, I think that might be the way to do it. Just be yeah. like 15-minute yeah. window. Boom. Go. and uh, Get him in. Either it's, yeah, 50 of them, or maybe it's uh, 199 like we did last time, because you guys really wanted a wedgie shirt. But anyway, we'll keep you posted on that. But here, on Tuesday, we are getting ready for the two Eastern Conference play-in games to tonight. And we're going to start with the uh, second game, because it's probably the juicier of the two, let's be honest. (laughs) It's uh, the Wizards-Celtics game, uh, the eighth-seeded Wizards in Boston take on the seventh-seeded Celtics. You win this, you're in as the seventh seed gets underway at 9 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Now, the Celtics won the season series 2-1, but all three games tasks took place a long time ago, before the trade deadline. Um, so, yeah, you can sort of throw those games out. But what are you watching for in this one? We're obviously going to get to our predictions, but we're talking just like key players, X-Factors, things that you're going to keep your eye on in this game between the Wizards and Celtics. Get us going. Yeah, we'll get into the nitty-gritty, but let's just start with the top. Let's start with the best players. I'm starting with Jason Tatum, who didn't have a good season series against these Washington Wizards, uh, but he usually has Bradley Beal guarding him, and Bradley Beal is not 100%. -hmm. He is limping around with that hamstring injury, and the St. Louis boys, they like going up against each other. They like uh, playing that one-on-one game, but uh, if Bradley Beal isn't 100%, I don't see how you try and stick Tatum with him. Uh, the whole game. And then if you're putting Rui Achimura on him, which would be sort of the next logical choice, I think Jason Tatum is going to be licking his lips, seeing a second-year player come over to try and guard him. And like our man David Aldridge said on The Athletic this week, Tatum can spin up a 40 or 50 burger at any time. Spin up a 40 or 50 burger. I don't know how you spin up a burger, but it's uh, totally true. Uh, I, I think uh, the, the Celtics have a lot of problems. These, both these teams have a lot of defensive problems, which I think we'll, we'll get into. But I think you start with the Celtics offense uh, because Tatum's not going to be able to be guarded by anybody. I think they're going to put a lot of points on the board, and that's going to trickle down to guys like Kemba Walker, who has surprisingly been really really, really good this last month. He's been shooting super well. And Evan Fournier, who's probably an X factor. And then we'll get into the defense and all that. But I'm just looking first and foremost, who the heck is going to guard Tatum uh, with Bradley Beal not feeling 100%. Yeah. And then sticking with Beal there too. I mean, he did have success against Boston this year. He scored 46 in one of the games and then he did score 41 in another one. But yeah, what percentage of uh, health is Beal coming into this, Lely, and how much of an impact will ha- will this have on the game? Because we saw him there in that sort of game they really wanted 
um, their last game of the regular season to uh, get up to that eight spot so they would have a chance to potentially lose twice and still get into the playoffs. But he looked brutal. Yeah. Um, like, he should not have been out there, in all honesty. He probably shouldn't, but he's a gamer. He wanted to give it a go, and he wanted to help their chances to uh, maybe get the seventh seed here even, or the eighth. But if Beal is not even close to 100%, like we don't think he will be, can the Wizards win this game still without him? Yes, I think they can. I think because of the way Russell Westbrook has been playing and you know that he's going to be up for it no matter what, it gives that that's the Wizards' best chance there. The Celtics as well just haven't been a super impressive home team this season. Not a bad record, but they've been down by 20 points a lot of times at home. And you saw recently they did come back and win that game, but they were down by 32 points at home to the San Antonio Spurs. So you can say, oh, maybe they find that in there, that fight in them to get this victory at home, or the Wizards have got an opportunity here to really pound them, because I think that's uh, the biggest thing here for the Celtics is obviously Jaden T- Jason Tatum's their star player, but Jalen Brown will not play. We know that. He's out for the rest of the season. And Kemba Walker, he's been in and out of the lineup so much this season as well. So what sort of percentage of health is he at as far as I can see for today he is playing they've named him of course but uh, that's a question for the Celtics but for Bradley Beal I don't even know if they've definitely said he's playing tonight at this point because that that that, the dilemma I think the Wizards are facing right now is like we win this game tonight and we're in we're a lock or we try to win this game without Beal knowing that we have the safety net that we have another game to still get us into the playoffs and keep him keep that hamstring a little bit fresher for the next game potentially Mm if they uh, face the, the, the winner of the uh, Pacers and the Hornets game. Because if they play Beal tonight and he does more injury, potentially, of course, they lose him for the rest of the season, however long that is. Or they just decide going all in tonight and try to win with best we can so then we at least get into the playoffs and he'll have a few more days to rest before the playoffs start. I mean, it's a tough, a tough decision for them because obviously they would like to win this game tonight but they don't have to win it. It's not their season isn't over if they Come on, mate. He's going to play. He's going to yeah. play in the play-in he game. Played he played on Sunday. took 27 shots on Sunday, Sunday in a game that they didn't actually have to win. Of course he's going to play tonight. I, I don't think it's 100% certain yet. I don't. I, I think they're going to have to wait and see because uh, if, he, if his hamstring plays up on him, then he's lost for the season. And if they can squeeze an extra day out of it, Maybe that's the route they take because, like I say, I think they can win this game anyway without him. I, 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 right. I think the Celtics have got enough problems as it is. But he did uh, say after Sunday that his hamstring didn't get any worse, and that yeah, but in that game, which wasn't a must-win game, he but played. we could see him. He wasn't looking. He wasn't moving well. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't. You can't yeah. say well the hamstring didn't didn't uh, get any worse. Well, by looking at him out on the court, there he wasn't moving as well as he needs to be moving. So. It's yeah. a tough. It's a tough situation for them. I mean, uh, if, if sure, sure, if they want to win this game, obviously they want to win this game. But at what cost potentially is it to them? One of the injuries that's also still up in the air. You keep talking about him with the Celtics trays. Uh, the Time Lord there, uh, Rob Williams. Like uh, I don't know if we have an official official update on whether he is or isn't playing in this. Uh, last I heard, it wasn't looking good because um, he'd been missing they, some time. Of course, they listed him as probable practice okay. on Monday, but still that. It's going to have a turf toe injury out there. Just fun to say turf toe. But yeah, he's not 100%. Game time be... decision, they're saying. No, okay. Well, that's huge, though. He, I mean, I'm almost to the point, like, he has to play for the Celtics to possibly win this 100% game. 100%. Because the Wizards does. just go to the rim. That's all they do. I know if, if Beal is a little hampered, then maybe that uh, he starts settling for some outside shots. But you know they're going to put the pressure on at the pace they play, right, TK? Beal always goes to the rim, and Westbrook always goes to the rim. The Celtics have been soft inside for the majority of the season, and to me, Robert Williams is their best rim protector. He's also their best athlete as a big guy, because if he's not able to go tonight, if they uh, come to the game-time decision, they say that turf toe, that thing is too painful, then you're looking at a lot of Tristan Thompson uh, if you're the Celtics, which is not a huge influence at the rim, and you might even see a little bit of Luke Cornett, which could be... Some scary hours for Celtics fans there. You need uh, Robert. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Robert Williams, you got to have him. He's got to play tonight uh, because uh, he puts pressure on the rim. Also offensively, that's something that I think you see with the Celtics a lot is with Jason Tatum, with Kemba Walker, with Evan Fournier. Those are guys who want to take a pull-up jumper. And that's something that the Wizards definitely give up. That could be a way that the Celtics uh, make some hay tonight. But they got to have somebody that at least puts a little bit of pressure on the rim. Offensively, Robert Williams does that. Uh, roll into the hoop on pick and rolls, catching alley-oops, getting the offensive rebounds as well. Obviously, defensively, they're going to need him just to be a big guy at the rim against Westbrook and theoretically Beal. But yeah, if, uh, if Robert Williams doesn't play tonight, pretty weird considering that guy was coming off the bench earlier in the season. But it feels like he's maybe the second or third most important player for the Celtics tonight. And if he's not able to go, then I don't see how they get any stops inside. 
Yeah, and not even just maybe from the guards, but like Robin Lopez is like on fire with the hook shot right now. They've got Gafford. Like they, the Wizards actually play some big guys uh, despite playing a fast pace. I mean, they're you know they're one of the fastest playing uh, teams in the league, uh, and they're gonna go go go, especially with Westbrook obviously grabbing the board and and sprinting up the other end. But yeah, how much is that a concern for you too, Tass? Like like the Williams factor here that they need. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be Thompson if it's not Williams, and like. I guess we've seen Tristan Thompson, you know, in, in postseasons prior, like have moments and play, play up uh, above his capabilities. But uh, you're asking for a lot at this guy at this point in his career, I think. Oh, this is quite troubling for the Boston Celtics. No doubt. The Wizards like to score inside. They like to score in the mid-range when Westbrook likes to pull up. And those are two zones the Celtics don't stop anybody in. Uh, it's going to be uh, a big problem. Yeah, the the Wizards um, are, are going to get to the lane in this game. And... You know, will the will the Tristan Thompson of uh, of his Cleveland days show up a little bit in this game? I think he'll bring you know a little bit of confidence and toughness into the lane. But yeah, if Robert Williams can't go, that's uh, that's a big problem. I I expect Robert Williams to play just because he he did get on the floor on Monday, but he's not going to be a hundred percent. And yeah, we're going to see Luke Cornett out there, you know, reaching out those hands as long as he can, staying staying long. But he's not going to be able to keep up with Westbrook. Yeah, the, I think there's going to be a ton of points. Uh, put up on the board in this one. And the thing about the Wizards, even though they're 17-6 and six over their last 23, they play a lot of close games. They they win, you know, by the skin of their teeth. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think home court is going to, it's going to play into this uh, a little bit. Yeah, the, like Lee said, the Celtics have not been good this year. Uh, but it's going to be a tight one going down to the wire. And uh, yeah, it's who, who makes shots in the end. Will, will Beal be able to... To score late in this game, will Russell Westbrook be able to get his uh, his team over the line? Or are we going to see Robin Lopez hooking in a game winner? Probably not. <laughs> uh, but but the Celtics, yeah, they have opt. Fournier's playing all right. Uh, Kevin Walker, surprisingly, uh, he's averaging 28 points a night, 50 and 40 from three, 50, 42 from three the last month or so. Uh, so, yeah, they're losing games, but can they step up for one game? Can they, can they get on a string for half a game? <laughs> you know, you're not going to need to put four quarters together uh, in this game. I think, I think the Celtics are going to be able to score, and uh, the Wiz should be too. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a late, close game, I imagine. Yeah, whatever you do, don't be a my buddy Grish with this game when one of the teams inevitably goes up you know, 15 to 20 points. And, <laughs> and I'll almost lock it in that it's going to happen here in this game. Just don't turn the game off. It's not over uh, because these teams will allow other teams back into it. And you said it there. Uh, Tass, how the Celtics, I saw the Schumann stat, they've played 43 games that were within five points in the last five minutes, most in the league. 43 games. Uh, and they went 17 and 26. So sub 40% there, uh, fourth worst in the league in those games. So they don't always pull them out, but they're they're always there. They always got a chance uh, for maybe like a Tatum game winner. But yeah, the Jalen Brown not playing as hugely because I think otherwise the Celtics may go, you know what? Let's go small, especially if there is no Robert Williams. But I'm not sure you can really do that without Jalen Brown and his uh, defensive versatility there being able to play a lot of positions. Like, they could, I guess, but I think that could backfire because the Wizards do like to play again. They like to play very fast. Um, so I, I just don't think that maybe is even an option. Like, hell, could we see Taco fall in this game? Like, is it a possibility? <laughs> is Brad Stevens crazy enough for Taco Tuesday to pull it out? Well, I, I mean, I guess it's possible if Robin Lopez is causing them problems because they are so thin inside, and at least he's long and he's tall. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Robin Lopez actually does hold so much uh, key here for the Wizards. If he's effective, and he's been effective, he's a tough little matchup in the in the paint there. He can score some points there and just put them under pressure. So um, maybe the Celtics do just try to match them with the small ball and say, let's just outrun these guys. But uh, yeah, they're both, neither of them have got such a strong convincing game that we've seen all season. It's hard to see exactly who's going to have the advantage in that respect because if, if it's a fast game Russell Westbrook's going to love that he's going to want it to get out there and just right. everyone just shooting and scoring and making it an offensive game rather than any sort of defensive game so you know we've seen Taco at times I, I, can't, I think it was Joel Embiid he put him on the floor against Joel Embiid at times when the Sixers were cooking uh, with the Celtics so he knows he's got Taco there he doesn't really obviously provide much but he's just he's a presence he's a presence <laughs> yeah, he's definitely and a he does presence. have a big body yeah. he, exactly that's all it is and you know giving up uh, Daniel Tice at the trade deadline I think uh, right now they would like at least like to have him I think he's still their best interior uh, defender um, which is not saying much because they didn't have tons so 
Maybe we get to see a little bit of him, Taco maybe, Bell. Maybe. And like, then I always just wonder with this game here, Tass, like, are we overthinking it with all these like, oh, what to watch for and X Factor? Does it just come down to like, hey, what Russell Westbrook do we get tonight? Is it good Russ or bad Russ? Uh, because, you know, he's been good for the last, uh, you know, month and a half here and they've been winning all of these games. But we know, especially in playoff matchups from time to time, we can get a, a clunker from Russ. Uh, he could get into Marcus Smart could get into his head, get those little like one on one pissing contests going. And maybe we get a, a unfortunate for Wizards fans, like a four for 22 type of Westbrook game. It's always in play with Russ. You know, he's going to play hard. But he could get caught up in taking some of the bad shots, falling in love with the three a little much, and, and maybe that is uh, what the Celtics need, the Beantown boys need, uh, just a bad Russ game, maybe, right? No doubt. I've been consuming a lot of previews here, and uh, it's getting deep. Uh, we we're, we're literally could be could see six conventional centers in this game. Yeah, we haven't buddy. <laughs> mentioned yeah, Alex buddy. Len, Robin Lopez, and then Daniel Gafford on the oh, Wizards yeah. side, and then Tristan Thompson, Luke Cornett, uh, and Robert Williams, Taco Fall. We could have seven, uh, but yeah, this it's going to come Trey down Kirby's to the end. This is Trey dream. It's the big man game tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Taco and Luke Cornett. <laughs> Can't wait to see it form a bull Daniel Gafford. I'm not going to lie to you, Tass. And Daniel Gafford as an X Factor. Sure. Especially if Robert Williams isn't playing. Daniel Gafford will be yep. the most athletic big man out there, and he's been key next to Westbrook as a lob threat. Yeah, it's wild how many alley-oops Daniel Gafford has got since the trade deadline, since he moved to the Wizards uh, in comparison to what he got pre-trade deadline with the Bulls. Westbrook loves finding him. And that's, yeah, that's the topic of uh, if they start to run, um, Daniel Gafford will be the recipient of a, of a lot of passes <laughs> if, he's, if he's in there. But uh, uh, criticism of Scotty Brooks is, you play Alex Len too much. Why are you starting Len? And then Daniel Gafford comes in. He started the second half in their, in their last game. But why are you playing three centers out there? But uh, it is likely that no team really builds up a big enough lead. Could be the Wizards build up a 10, 12, 15-point lead. We've seen that a ton against the Celtics. Allow that to happen, then it'll be close in the end. Yeah, and yeah I agree that maybe Russell Westbrook, especially with Bradley Beal not being 100%, might try and take it upon himself to fire away. Uh, in a in a in a not very productive fashion for the Washington Wizards, where yeah we'll we'll see a few clanks at the end where he tries to shoot a little bit too much, and yeah the Marcus Smart factor is is there. It'd be nice for the Celtics if they had Jalen Brown Jalen Brown to just stick Bradley Beal, and then you know Marcus Smart's goal, his whole his his whole um, objective in this game would be to get under Russell Westbrook's skin. Right, uh, but uh, that probably will happen. At the end of the game, I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see uh, Westbrook probably taking a, 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 a few too many shots. And I think if if Bradley Beal ain't right, uh, it's it's a big big problem for the Wizards. They're two and ten without him this year, so uh, their offense just falls off a cliff. So if if they can't go to him at the end of games, he'll be on the floor. But if he can't go to him at the end of games, then uh, Russ just got to make shots. Okay, so this is I think the only one of the play-in games where. The road team is favored in it. Last last I checked, at least, and that's because the Wizards have been playing unbelievable basketball here. The Celtics have have not. They've uh, floundered a little bit. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think Boston might be uh, the old one, two, three Cancun vibes to them right now, too. Trey, like, let's just get the hell done with this season, and maybe you don't even care all that much. I don't know to like get in there. I'm sure the players are going to give their best effort. But where are you le- leaning here in tor- uh, in terms of your predictions um, for this game tonight? You like the Wizards? You like the Celtics? Blowout, close. What do you think? Yeah, I like the Wizards. I think they're taking it tonight. They've been playing really well over the last two months of the season. They are in better health, at least, than the Celtics are because at least Bradley Beal is likely going to play, whereas we know Jalen Brown is not going to play. And even Marcus Smart, a guy who is an emotional leader for the Beantown Boys, said Jalen Brown is a huge tone setter and energy guy for us. So, I don't know. The Celtics have been really inconsistent all year and it feels like anytime they're inconsistent it's because they lack the energy and the effort you think that's probably not going to be the case playing in a play-in game where you need to win to get into the playoffs but we know that Westbrook is going to have the Wizards ready to play it's going to be a hundred percent effort on that side of the court so uh knowing that uh I gotta go with the Wizards tonight okay uh Lee what's your prediction for this game yeah, I think uh, this is, you know, you talk about Russell Westbrook because we know he does put up the odd clunker, but the lane will be open. He can get inside and he's at his best when he does penetrate and score those sort of baskets. So I think the Scott Brooks and the Wizards will say, just keep on attacking into that paint, the painted area there. And I think that gives the edge to the Wizards. Obviously, Jason Tatum is capable of really dragging the Celtics to a victory, but 
haven't been super convinced by the Celtics recently and I uh, just think the Wizards have been playing better basketball at the right time. So I'll take Washington to win the game. All right. Tash, same thing? Or are you going with the Beantown boys? Uh, yeah, let's cook up some beans. I'm going Boston. Oh, uh, there, wow. There isn't really a good reason to pick the Boston Celtics, but uh, I'll just take them because they are the underdog. I'm sure they, they will look at that and say, uh, come on. We can we can get fired up for one game here. They definitely have had a problem doing that throughout the regular season, uh, and, and they will probably give up a lot of points in the lane and in the mid range. But uh, I'm trusting Jason Tatum uh, to be the guy that they lean on offensively and uh, the home court advantage, whatever that is, uh, to get them over the line. I'm gonna go with the Wizards, though. Like I said, this game is gonna go like this. Washington's gonna get a big lead. Whatever it is, 15-16, Celtics will fight back, call it the fake comeback, call it whatever you want. Then there will be some like sort of like, uh-oh, what are you doing, Russ moments, be it a turnover, a bad rushed shot, like a three-point attempt when they wouldn't need it. And like the Celtics will have a chance, but the Wizards will pull it out of their ass and win this game by like one or two points. I think it's going to be a very, very close game, uh, this nightcap here on TNT with this second game. But I do have the Wizards... Uh, uh, ultimately moving on and I and I'm, I'm you know I'm almost shocked you're taking Boston task but I don't mind it because it feels like every prediction I've seen or heard on a podcast is taking Washington to win this game there are not a lot of people backing the Celtics despite having home court advantage and obviously still having a lot of talent in Tatum and and Kemba and even Fournier like you said like they can score probably on this Washington team as well but for sure a lot of people picking Washington uh, but let us know in the stream team who you guys got tonight you got the Beantown boys grabbing that seven seed or Washington ultimately taking on the Nets. I mean, people are excited about that, Lily. Would love to see a Kevin Durant versus Westbrook uh, at least playoff matchup. Gives it a little extra juice there for a, for a 2-7 matchup. I don't think people would pick the Wizards to beat the Nets, but it's the storylines that sometimes matter. But <laughs> That's what we got. Three of us taking Washington, Tass taking the Beantown boys. Anything uh, to add to that series before we move on to the next one? No siree, Bob. Don't think so. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Well, let's go to the first one tonight. They get us started. Hornets Pacers, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Hornets won the season series 2-1, though Brogdon and uh, Karis LeVert didn't play together in any of those three games for the Indiana Pacers. But, Trey, you get us started with this one. What are you watching? Key players, whatever, uh, between this Hornets-Pacers matchup. It's all about that IPO, Skeets. That initial playoff offering from... LaMelo Ball playing in his first playoff play-in game. I can't wait to see it. I'm not super worried uh, that he's going to be phased by the uptick in intensity here, playing in his first postseason game. Uh, the guy's been playing televised big games since he was like 14 years old. So yeah, this is going to be different, no doubt about it. But I have a feeling LaMelo will be ready for it. The question for me is what kind of impact is LaMelo ball going to have in this game just because of the player type he is the biggest thing he can do uh to really help the hornets tonight is to just ensure that they're playing fast they play a faster game of basketball than the pacers want to play and if this is an up and down game certainly that is going to favor charlotte however the pacers could go out of their way to try and make Lamelo a scorer he's gone 17 for his last 55 after uh returning from that wrist injury 
And yeah, I mean, uh, we've heard James Borrego talk about the joy that LaMelo plays with and the joy that he brings to his teammates. If the Pacers come out and say, hey, we're guarding everybody else. Let's see if LaMelo's going to score 35 and beat us tonight. That might be tough for the Hornets because we know LaMelo wants to get other people involved and the Hornets are at their best when they're running the court and some other players are getting touches and Terry Rozier has the ball and he's scoring against the bent defense and he's getting catch and shoot threes. That's how the Hornets are at their best. But we've seen great point guards be uh, neutralized a little bit in the playoffs before just by turning them into scores and taking away the passing lanes that they're used to getting. So it'll be interesting to see how the Pacers go about trying to get the ball out of LaMelo's hands and how LaMelo is able to have an impact if the Pacers make it a point to have him be a scorer. For sure. What are you watching in this one, uh, Lili? Well, this one, uh, again, sort of comes down to who's even playing here for the uh, Indiana Pacers because at this moment, I think they've got Brogdon as a game-time decision. Sabonis, I think, is playing. They've got him listed as questionable. Uh, and then Aaron Holiday as well. is, is still he's, he's still out according to the injury report, but I expect him to come back. Um, if Brogdon plays, then uh, that's huge, I think, for the Pacers because he's a very good defender and he can slow down, you know, Lamelo and just get in his grill and make it a little bit tougher for him because I think Lamelo. You know, as their point guard, he's going to control so much. So, obviously, there's no Gordon Hayward either for the uh, Hornets, but they've been w- without him for a long time. They didn't finish the season all that strongly, uh, the Hornets, but getting LaMelo back, I think, was key for them. I think they've got better scorers and, as far as guys like Rozier. He, we know he can get going. If Devontae Graham's hitting his threes, that's important as well for the Hornets. They played well in Indiana this season. I oh, know Miles Turner as well at this stage uh, for the Pacers. He's definitely think, not playing. Yeah, no. I, yeah. He, he won't be playing. So they're, they're just missing so many players. Uh, I think that really gives the Hornets a good opportunity here to just get things right there. They're only missing uh, Haywood out of their big-name players. So, um, you know, if they shoot the ball well, obviously, you know, hit their threes uh, and, and really just put pressure on the paces uh, on the off on the defensive end, I just don't think the paces have enough offense, uh, even though, the, you know, the Hornets aren't a super great defensive team. I just don't think they have enough people who can score the ball. So uh, I think it really comes down to, you know, the, the, uh, paces con- uh, the Hornets controlling the tempo and the pace, pushing the ball and hitting threes early on. And I think they can... Uh, I think they can put this one away pretty early if they're uh, if they're if really they're the ball. Well, Indiana has so, the yeah. best player in this game though by by a mile for being in a Sabonis. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, but but again, he's he's only, I, I don't he's haven't seen him. He's playing Lee. I mean, they're they're gonna they're they're just like gonna say he's not. He's been playing, and you know. They want to have some doubt in the but Hornets over there. And how defensively, play. you know, he, he's not a great defender. Right. Um, so there's a chance there. I, I just think I just don't think the Pacers have enough offense in this game. To myself, I just especially if Brogdon isn't playing, he's another 20 point per game scorer. So if he plays, it changes everything. But uh, again, he's still listed as questionable at this point. We need some more updated uh, injury reports here. Tass, what are you uh, <laughs> what are you thinking with this one? You know, leaning towards the Pacers, leaning towards the Hornets. What are you watching for? Well, I think the uh, the Hornets are going to have to get to the rim because the Pacers' strength is guarding the three-point line. That's what they do. Nate Bjorkman's going to get them out there. Uh, TJ McConnell's going to be a pest out there guarding the three-point line. Uh, but they allow the highest percentage of shots at the rim for cleaning the glass. So that's, that's where we could have a LaMelo ball show uh, if he wants to get to the lane. Uh, that's... That's totally a possibility. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they're going to be able to score. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Pacers are going to do a decent job of taking away Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. And then, uh, yeah, at the at the end of the uh, at the other end of the floor, uh, I think they do have enough offense. You know, Karis LeVert is a is a very very capable guy. Uh, Sabonis and Brogdon, it's it's enough offense. It's a it's a weird weird matchup because. Um, first of all, this is the elimination game, and they they shove this in the early slot, which yeah, I it's get the it. Hornets Pacers. Nobody's gonna be watching this except us. I get it. Yeah, I know, but it, it is kind of it is first. I, I yeah, I hear what you're saying. The other one is far juicier. Yeah. Uh, the other one's single elimination. This one, I mean, this is the single elimination game. Yeah. The, the Pacers uh, or Hornets go home. It's really weird. The Pacers are the home court uh, have home court advantage in this game, and they're 13 and 23 at home. That's that's a that's just a very strange record for a team that makes the postseason. And you got to call it the postseason and not the playoffs because <laughs> the playoffs start on on Saturday. Uh, but the Hornets aren't you know all that much better on the road. Uh, I I think yeah the the Pacers will do a good job of st- sticking on the perimeter. But we could have a Lamelo show. That's what it really comes down to. I think for me is uh, I I don't see you know Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham doing that. I think they'll stop PJ Washington. 
Uh, if Lamella wants to do it, if he if he wants to put up 30, I think he can if he drives in, because uh, I don't think Sabonis is stopping him at the rim, especially with no Miles Turner out there. So that's my key for the Hornets is uh, being able to get to the rim. But yeah, I believe I believe in the Pacers. Uh, you know, they they have enough depth, even though yeah, TJ Warren out for the season and and Miles Turner out. They're they're you know they've got all these guys that are good solid guys and they're they're still they still have enough of them i think to win yeah this is just a weird game because you you slipped it in there lee the hornets have lost they lost their final five regular season games to fall to 10th like the seventh seed was there for the taking with mm. some of these teams the way they were floundering and instead they did the opposite they lost a lot of these games now they're the 10th seed the pacers remember what two weeks ago we were like they hate their coach uh, and he might be, like, fired in the offseason. Like, what's going on in that locker room? Now, they actually did okay, like, splitting, uh, you know, their record in their final 10 games after those reports. You know, we're swirling about Nate Bjorker in there. So, I guess that's decent. Sabonis has been unbelievable uh, in the last month, averaging a triple-double. That's got, gotten overlooked because he plays for the Indiana Pacers, and it's, you know, the final month of the season. There's a lot of other stuff going on. So, it's just a strange game. But I think Karis LeVert is the ultimate wild card in this. You pointed out Kemba Walker doing special things lately for the Celtics task. Same thing with Karis LeVert. He's averaging 27.3 points per game uh, over his last nine, shooting lights out from three, 42 from distance. He, you know, Sabonis, I do think tonight, I love the concept, like you're saying, Lee, of the Hornets trying to run him off the floor. You know, they go P.J. Washington at the five, right? Like, they, they could do that. But I also think Sabonis is going to have a monster game tonight where people are going to be feeling a little silly that he wasn't even in consideration for all NBA teams. Like, he's going to have, I think, a dominant <laughs> he game. He made the eighth, eighth team, didn't he? I well, he, he made, made your... my fifth team. Oh, fifth team. But my right, point yeah. is, yeah. he's going to put up the, the the biggest stat line from tonight and get his team the victory. I really I do think he's going to sort of abuse the Hornets. Uh, and I think he's that damn good. So they're, they're just going to be like, well, the, the ballot's in. Like, you're, you've already made your All-NBA picks. And you're like, oh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Spoh's had a great year. And like, oh, I forgot about him. Like, he didn't even, like, there's no consideration for him. So I think him and Lavert are the <laughs> two best players in this game is what I'm getting at. You guys are saying LaMelo? Like, I think the Pacers would want that. Like, I think, Trey, you sort of did say that. Like, if LaMelo, they're like, they're hitching their ride to LaMelo to score 30-35. That's the game plan, I would hope, from the Pacers. Like, yeah, that's the way we want to go. And maybe he can pull it out of his ass. It'd be awesome for uh, for the league if Lamelo balled out tonight. No doubt, he's already like probably the rookie of the year favorite, uh, despite missing some time. But I think the Pacers are being like oddly overlooked here. Again, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Hornets either. It's like maybe if this was a month and a half ago, but have you seen them play recently? They're not that good. Uh, yeah, good. both Strange of these teams game. are not that good right yeah. now. But the Pacers have a longer track record of being good. Karis LeVert has hit big shots in the playoffs before. Sabonis has been to the playoffs basically every season of his career. And I do think he will be the guy uh, for the Pacers who tries to control the pace. Oh, nice one uh, from <laughs> me right there. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see Sabonis have a big game. LeVert, I think, is a little bit more inconsistent. It feels like he has an amazing game and then an okay game, then an amazing game, then an okay game. Yeah. It all averages out to being pretty good, but they need him to be special tonight. I think the Pacers are going to win this one personally okay. uh, just because they've got that little bit of experience in their back pocket. And for whatever reason, when Goga and Greg got into it, that seemed to have turned the tables for the Pacers. They've been better since those two guys were screaming at each other on the sideline. G&G Temper Factory over there. <laughs> That's, in the right. Pacers. That's uh, right. Okay, so you're going Pacers in, in, in what sounds like what? Somewhat of a close game, too, because you don't have a lot of confidence in really either of these teams. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. this is going to be pretty close. Uh, both of these teams have uh, had really solid starts to the season, then struggled once we got into the playoff stretch here. More than likely, it comes down to Terry Rozier versus Karis LeVert mm. in the final couple of minutes. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I guess I will go Karis LeVert in that situation is what I'm saying. Well, Terry Rozier hits a lot of clutch threes, though. That's right. Yeah, clutch Terry, well. no doubt. Yeah. Okay, so you're going Pacers. Uh, Lee, let's go to you next. Your prediction? You, you liking yeah. the Hornets in this one? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, not convincingly, but uh, I just think they have got uh, a better way of scoring. And again, Brogdon hasn't played in nearly three weeks. So if he does come back, you know, even if he's 100%, he, he might be not uh, not up to speed. So, uh, But he's huge for the Pacers because of what he does at both ends of the ball. He can control the pace for him. He can hit big shots and he can defend well. So if he's playing, it certainly makes it tougher for the uh, Hornets. But I just... 
think the Hornets can uh, can outscore them in this one. Probably won't be a great defensive battle, but uh, I think they've got enough. So I think the uh, the uh, Hornets win it in a you know close-ish one. Okay, Tass, where are you going with this one? Indiana or Charlotte? Oh, give me the Pacers. You think you're going to walk into Indiana and win when they're 13 and 21 at home this season? <laughs> Everyone uh, does. <laughs> yeah, everybody definitely does. But uh, I'll take the team that. Uh, uh, yeah, has, has firepower, and the Hornets, again, not playing well. So, yeah, I, th- I think the Pacers will have enough at the end of the games. And, again, they, they do a really good job of taking away the three-point line. So they'll, they'll, they'll be they'll be scarying, tearying off the line there. Scary Terry, not as good. Not as good as Trey's pace show. I I yeah, I know. It was, it was a bit of a stretch, but we got there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll – yeah, they'll, they will try and force guys uh, to, to come off the bounce and then uh, – yeah, they'll probably score, but I think they won't score at as good a rate as if they were firing away from threes with, with Terry, Devontae, uh, and PJ. So, yeah, give me the Pacers. I, I don't think this one will be uh, super-duper close. And then people will be complaining about, well, is this play-in tournament? Nine versus ten. We got a blowout in the first game. Boo. You're probably right. That will happen. Just watch. Uh, and then the truth is, like, is anyone taking either of these teams to win the next game to then get in against even – uh, the Wizards or the Celtics? Probably should they, not. Should they have started with the Western Conference? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, That's the, no. We got to get that hype going for the Lakers-Warriors on Wednesday night. This, this is right. I think they got this right, Tess. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, and, and even the early start at 630, they're almost trying to bury this game. They're like, hopefully it's a close game in the second half when people are tuning in. They're like, oh, wow. Hey, it's a one-point game. This is exciting. Who's this Terry Rozier guy? Wow. <laughs> cool. Good question from BT in the stream team who says... Why isn't this game on right now? <laughs> yeah. 10 o'clock start, sure. Yeah, or at least a nice 12.30 or 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern start. Yeah, a little uh, matinee game. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Tuesday afternoon. You're That's asking good yeah. questions here. Well, yeah, I mean, why not, Lee? They're, like, they're saying this is sort of March Madness-like. Well, let's really lean into it then. Let's start those games up early. Let's play this game in Boise for all I care. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Um, May, on a neutral mayhem. Court. Uh, mayhem. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, keep workshop. That's okay. That's not bad. Uh, I'm also going with the Pacers, which I'm a little surprised that three of us are taking Indiana. Again, a lot of people I see with this prediction, more people taking Charlotte in, in this game. Um, but I'm with you guys. I, I'm I'm expecting obviously a huge Sabonis game, and I do think that Levert will. I think Levert and Terry Rozier will sort of cancel each other out. The Brogdon playing, I think he is going to play, and I think he. If he wasn't, then I think I take Charlotte. But I do think he's such a stabilizing force on both ends of the floor that that will get uh, the Pacers a win in this. So I got Indiana moving on to uh, to lose against the Celtics or the Wizards in uh, in a game later this week. Okay, so let's hear from you guys with all of those. Drop your predictions in the YouTube comments. Who you like winning tonight? By how much? By how many? And uh, you know. Drop a surprise or X-Factor player there, too, if you want. Someone that's going to surprise us all. Maybe it is a holiday for all we know. Okay, got some news before we wrap up here. The Sacramento Kings are bringing back Coach Luke Walton, by all reports, Lily, for his third season, uh, despite the Sacramento Kings uh, playoff drought reaching 15 years. Obviously haven't been there under Luke Walton. Are you shocked by this at all, that uh, Luke's going to get at least a, a third go at it? Somewhat shocked, yes. Uh, According to the report, Walton, though, has the support of the front office and his players, which is good, and also the opposite of what we've heard throughout his uh, two years in Sacramento. But both things can be true because things change over time, you know? Like uh, Buddy Heald and him didn't really get along, but they seem to be buds at points of the time this season. But I think he also, this is the key thing, he has two (laughs) years left on his deal, which is a big factor because in the last six years they've had five coaches and uh, had to pay out Dave Yeager for the final year of his contract while they were also paying Luke Walton. And uh, I think if they fire Luke now, they'd also have to pay two coaches for the next two seasons. And that's something that I think Sam Amick uh, addressed that earlier in uh, one of his reports about the Kings, whether it was late last season or early this season. And I also think the Kings want to sort of, you know, project an image of stability and trust in their own decision making because it's been a disaster for the last four or five years. You know, coach comes in, George Carl immediately seemed to be the wrong choice with uh, he and Marcus Cousins were clashing. You know, then Dave Yeager came in, he got fired. So, look, ultimately, I don't think this is any more than a, a lifeline here for Luke Walton for about 15 to 20 games next season. Because if they start off bad and they're 2-12 and 12 or 2-13, and 13, then they probably fire him anyway after that. Um, they had the worst defense this season in the league, so he's got so much area to improve there. And they looked awful. And their offense is very inconsistent. Now, De'Aaron Fox, 
Jaron Fox was good, but he missed the last like ten to twelve games of the seasons as, of the season as well. And I think outside of he and Tyrese Halliburton, anybody else on that roster can be had. So uh, the Kings have got a big off season coming up. How are they going to improve? Whether it's internally or via trades or drafting, or you know whoever they want. But the thing is, ultimately, I, I just don't think this is anything more than a stay of execution for Luke Walton because he has to get results early into next season. They can't afford to start off badly mm-hmm. uh, because if they if they get submarined in the first quarter of the season then uh, they're going to have to make a change so but I guess good on the Kings for for not doing what everyone expected them to do I don't I think uh, I think that was the thing it was like uh, he's done as soon as their season's done but they've decided to uh, they've decided to swerve and hang on to uh, Luke Walton so uh, yeah so why are they swerving is it because that they like you said owe a lot of money and they can't defer on that like uh, yeah Sam Amick of the Athletic last month said it was like 11.5 million so is it a financial reason that they're not firing him? Or, and I think it's an and or here, or a combo of, I should say, it sounds like De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton go into bat for Luke Walton. Like, the star players on the team, um, you know, showing support for him. And I think, in my mind, that they completely just saved his job. Like, if, if those two guys, especially Fox as the, as the like, franchise guy in the squad, if he's like, no, this guy's horrible like get him out of here then i think he is uh, trey but you know they uh, like tyrese halliburton in his like exit meetings talked quite glowingly about luke walton so you know he had a good year as the rook so maybe that you know carries a little weight there in the uh, front office and they decide to run it back for one more year yeah the last time the kings had a coach that was working was mike malone and they let him go despite the fact that boogie cousins was a big mike malone backer as we've seen mike malone has gone on to have success in denver Obviously, Boogie was not long for Sacramento after then. So, yeah, if you're, uh, your star player and your star rookie are both back in the coach, I suppose it makes a little bit of sense to bring him back then. But the writing was on the wall in March. Sam Amick and Jason Jones had a report basically calling this a gap year for the Kings. This team has missed the playoffs for 15 straight seasons and was happy to take a gap year. I mean, like, uh, that's, that's, what, that's what the Kings are for you. They're listening to De'Aaron Fox as their star player who's saying, I love Luke Walton as a coach, probably because he's had bad NBA coaches up until now. Tyrese Halliburton has had one NBA coach right now. You're trying to appease your players, but I don't know if you should be trusting him here because there's a lot of buzz about Carl Anthony Towns being the next guy to leave his team uh, eventually. I think it's going to be Fox with the way that mm. things have gone in Sacramento. Obviously, Bogdan Bogdanovich is balling for the Hawks right now. They botched that whole thing over the summer. Marvin Bagley hasn't improved. They had the Buddy Heald situation, which was more dramatic at the beginning of the season, but seemed to uh, peter off during the year. But you have to imagine there's still a little bit of uh, animosity there, especially when you consider that the three best players on the Kings – all want to have the ball in their hands handling the ball. How does that all work together? I don't know. The Kings remain the Kings. Who takes a gap year when you've missed the playoffs for 15 years? Yeah, anything to add to uh, the Kings' decision here? Again, by all reports, tasked to bring Luke Walton back. Love it, hate it. What do you think? I guess he gets one more year to see if uh, he has a, a Bochdan Bogdanovich. Nah, Whoa. nah, too much. Yeah. Too, yeah. too many Gs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Careful, too many man. Gs. Botched and botched Anovich. Anyways, yeah, I think they are just trying to uh, project this image of uh, solidarity just to not flip over another coach uh, for another year. But uh, appeasing Fox and Halliburton is not, is not the worst thing they could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they get one more shot, whether they bring back Rashawn Holmes. That's their really their, their, their three guys going forward uh, as, a, as a core if they do bring back him. And uh, Luke's going to get another shot. I mean, 15 years is such a long time. Luke was balling for the Lakers the last time the <laughs> Sacramento Kings made the playoffs. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough if you're a Sacramento Kings fan. But just, just not putting all their money into uh, supporting players like they have the last few seasons. See Harrison Barnes, Corey Joseph. Trevor Reza, uh, Dwayne Dedman might be a start. So I, I, I would take that as a bit of a positive. Like, I think they understand that uh, there's a couple guys in their backcourt that are untouchable, and hopefully they start to build uh, a little bit more around that. And then maybe we'll see how good Luke Walton uh, is as a coach. But he hasn't been able to pull these guys together quite yet. Yeah, they need to play some defense. <laughs> I mean, start there. Like, get, like, an average defense going with this star backcourt in Fox and Halliburton. 
and they haven't been able to. So is that because of Luke Walton's defensive scheme? Is that because of the players on the roster? Is it some combination of both? Probably. Um, but they are just like you were saying, Lee, like one of the worst. Wait, weren't they worst of all time at one point? I don't know if they uh, <laughs> got out of that distinction, but I know they're bottom three in the NBA in points allowed per game, uh, the opponent's field goal percentage, the defensive rating. I mean, it was brutal. Anyone mm. could score on them. So they just got to get out. Just, just improve on that end, and you might be sniffing a play-in tournament. Um, so he'll get a chance at it, but I think it will be a short lease. I, leash, excuse me, I would imagine. Like, they cannot start you know, five and 15. I, I mean, it'll be a wrap, right? He'll be, he would be fired, I think at that point. Um, so maybe, but maybe they, they start, you know, a little more consistent, a little more average, at least 500 would be a good start there for the Kings. All right. Few uh, restricted free agency sort of rumors here. Restricted free agent Lonzo Ball says he would love to return to the Pelicans. Tass, you, you see that happening? No, sir. That's nice to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, sure. you, you probably you say that, but uh, you know, he's, he signed up for Clutch Sports to go get paid, and I don't think the Pelicans are going to pay him as much as other teams with this point guard class that's happening right now. Kyle Lowry and Dennis Schroeder are the biggest names alongside Lonzo Ball. Who knows what Kyle Lowry does, mm-hmm. if it's a sign and trade with the Raps because he respects Masai Ujiri, Dennis Schroeder, but... Lonzo Ball is a huge name this offseason amongst guards. Uh, and he's he even said, while saying, yeah, I want to come back, he also said, I was a 3 and D type guy this year. I think I played my role pretty well. Mm-hmm. But at this point of his career, I kind of get the feeling that he'd want an expanded role, especially when you sign with clutch sports. That's uh, That tends to happen. Uh, I could see him working uh, with the New York Knicks uh, as, as a possibility there because they've done a very good job with the front office to save all their money. I know everybody and their mom talks about the Knicks with every free agent, but I, I think at this point with the way the Knicks have preserved their cap, uh, it could legitimately work. Uh, and I, I know the Pelicans and Zion Williamson specifically have said, I want Lonzo Ball to come back, mm-hmm. uh, but they have to, have to, have to build around Zion Williamson right now. Uh, they don't want to be one of these these franchises that people are talking about their stars leaving like Carl Anthony Towns or De'Aaron Fox, like we just mentioned. Is Lonzo Ball the best fit for Zion Williamson? No. Could he work? Maybe. But uh, they didn't work this year all that well together. They have to build a team that complements Zion. And I don't think you bring back Lonzo Ball on a long-term contract after what happened this year. And somebody's going to sign him to a long-term deal. Somebody will because uh, because Clutch Sports does that for you. And because... Uh, of the free agent class. So I see him going elsewhere. Uh, But he did play pretty well this year uh, in in the amount of time that he was on the floor. So 20 million plus we're looking at here probably for Lonzo Ball in in a contract. And you don't think, yeah, Griffin, the Pelicans would maybe want to uh, sign him to that type of deal. You know, Trey, especially with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was actually playing really good before he he got injured. And they probably see him as like... that he could obviously take over that place of Alonzo Ball, especially uh, being much cheaper on a rookie contract and, and running stuff through Zion as it is anyway. But what, what do you expect here with Alonzo Ball? Yeah, it's one thing to say this, would love to return, but do you think it actually happens or do you agree with Tass? Well, just like Tass said, this could easily be some kind of a sign-and-trade thing, but I personally think Lonzo fits really nice next to Zion. If you're looking at the team construction similar to how uh, the Heat beat their or built their championship teams, you would say that Zion's LeBron, a forward who's handling the ball a lot. I guess Brandon Ingram would probably be Dwayne Wade in that scenario, a second scorer who's capable of giving 25 a game, decent shooter from the outside. That's an advantage over Wade. That would mean that Lonzo would have to be Mario Chalmers. Do you want to pay $20 million a year for a Mario Chalmers? I don't know about that, but I do think that they're a nice three together because Lonzo's going to play defense. He's going to get the ball up the court really fast, and he did have a solid shoot season shooting the ball. It's not like he's putting fear into anybody's hearts as a shooter, but if you're taking eight threes a game, knocking down 37% of them, that's valuable next to a guy like uh, Zion Williamson. To me, it's just uh, the other guys who are a problem. You can't play uh, somebody like Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams alongside Ingram, Zion, and Lonzo in the starting lineup. You can have maybe one non-shooter out there with those guys, but I don't think you can have two they got to find their Chris Bosh, their Shane Battier, their Ray Allen, the role guys who are going to defend their positions and knock down the open shots. What do you think, Lily? 
It's his consistency that he really needs to work on because if you look at that number, those you know the percentages was was about the same as it was last season, but he took more and made more, so that's great. But he just has games where he goes like zero for eight, or he might go six for ten from downtown. So mm-hmm. what are the Pelicans getting out of him? Because he does seem to me that when he has a great game, you can be convinced. Like yeah, this guy could be the right player next to, uh, next design, but then when he has a couple of those stinkers in a row, you're just like, no, we can't rely on him because that shot is just comes and goes. Too inconsistently, but it certainly improved the mechanics. It looks much better. He shoots it with confidence a lot of the time, but it's just you know looking through his box scores over like a course of a couple of games. There, you know, he went 0 for eight, eight for seventeen, one for nine, seven for thirteen from yeah. downtown. So yeah. it's uh, it really is feast or famine with him. But but that's okay. He's shown a, a he's certainly shown the work. He's got the work ethic to go out there and really work on that and try to make that into his game because he's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. He does bring a lot to the table. It's just from night to night, it can vary a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I think he gets he gets a decent contract. I'm not sure from who, but um, if the Pelicans uh, don't believe in him, then they really have to make sure they get it right with the guy who does come, does come in because you would think going forward, whoever that point guard is, and if it is from internal with uh, Alexander Walker there, that's fine, but that's going to be the guy sort of to go along there with, uh, with, with Zion and Brandon Ingram. So it's a big question there for Dave Griffin to... Mm-hmm. To be right, okay, well, you know, can we live with a little bit of inconsistency from uh, Lonzo or do we have to splash out on someone else who, of course, then, uh, you know, you have to bring that person in and they have to learn the system uh, surrounding Zion and Brandon Ingram. So tough decision, I think, for the Pels. Yeah. And we'll see if Griffin can get anyone to give him something for Eric Bledsoe, because you would imagine he'd be very active in trying to trade Bledsoe, but I'm not sure the return you're going to get is going to be all that high. I think you're right. It'd be internal that... If Lonzo's gone and they don't want to match, because it's unrestricted free agency, someone can offer him yeah. a deal, and the Pelicans, of course, can match. But I think it's going to be a number a little too rich for their blood, possibly. And instead of like wanting to even sort of maintain the asset, which we do see some teams do and some front offices do, I think they do look at Alexander Walker and go, "No, I think he can sort of replicate to, to some extent uh, in the in the coming years here and grow with Zion and maybe move on from Lonzo." That's that's my guess with this one. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I gotta cut out a bit. I gotta switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds? Sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation? Perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. But one more in the restricted free agency uh, rumor report. Bulls big man, Lowry Marketing Trey. He plans to test the waters of restricted free agency. Um, so, so what? So, what do you think is going to happen with him here? And this report from Casey Johnson, you know, talking about him, going to go out there and have a look at uh, possibly what type of deal he could get and maybe move on from the Bulls, or do you think they could keep him? Maybe these two go hand in hand. Skeetsarino. That was a deal at the trade deadline that yeah. was bandied about. Lowry Markinen for Lonzo Ball. Maybe we run it back in the summer. You both get your. Big uh, free agency deals. Neither of us wants the match, so let's just trade you for each other. Maybe that happens. Lowry Markkinen, though, he's going to have a long career. I just don't think it's really going to be for the Bulls. Seven-footers that shoot near 40% from three, those guys stick around, and that's what Lowry did this year. Shot a career high from three, 40.2%. That's awesome. Also had career lows in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. And a lot of that is because he went from their opening night starting power forward to the Bulls to being on the trade block, like I said, discussed for Lonzo. We thought maybe he's going to be part of the Vooch deal. Apparently, they wanted Wendell Carter Jr. a little bit more. Markkinen got a start next to Vooch in their very first game, and Billy Donovan had seen enough, sent him to the bench pretty much immediately, said, you're going to be our reserve. Three, four, five? 
come in, shoot some threes. And that's pretty much all Lowry Markkinen did. That's a valuable player for a team that's contending, right? When you are the Cleveland Cavaliers and you need a seven footer, you can go find a Channing Fry who's not really doing anything. But when you are a young player going into restricted free agency, you don't want the Channing Fry treatment. Lowry Markkinen's gonna want a lot more money being a number seven pick recently. And I think that's why you're hearing some praise for Lowry from the Bulls. After their last game, Billy Donovan said, I really, really love Lowry as a player. He's a great guy and he's been an incredible teammate and he has sacrificed a lot. A lot of talk about his personality there. Karnishevis said yesterday, I think Lowry's an essential part of our team. We hope he's part of what we're building here. Maybe they do, or maybe they're just pumping their bags for a sign and trade here. I think that's a little bit more realistic. Seven yeah. foot shooting guards, not uh, a desirable player type out there usually. Mm, mm. Yeah, he's got to he's got to, he's got to stay on the court though as well. That, that's mm. the other problem. Mm-hmm. He's he's always injured. In uh, you know, he played what fifty odd games this season. I know it was obviously a shortened season, but but it just you're feels- right. He was like at one point he had come back. I think was that from the uh, like COVID nineteen health and safety protocols, and then he was balling there for like a yeah. for a stretch. You know, he was yeah. like that, a twenty point per game scorer, which we sort of think he could be in this league. And then yeah, then it was like a bum like shoulder, right? It was like a Sort of like a, a fluke, he's, I want to yeah. say, but he always has these like little weird yeah, injuries, yeah. and uh, yeah, he can't stay out there. Yeah, and he's only 23, so he's young enough that I think some people will look at him and go, look, this guy can you know shoot that three, he can really spread the floor. Uh, but yeah, the, it's concerning that the rebounding and the free throws and things like that have gone down. You know, you would like to see a guy at least improve in those categories a little bit just to show that he's doing something else out there. Uh, And I thought coming into this season with a new coach in Billy Donovan, I thought maybe this is what he needs. You know, he'd been under the Jim Boylan Boylan system there for a while. I thought maybe a new coach can unlock something with him. But maybe now it's time for just a new team and a new situation because uh, it didn't – it went fine, but it's just – I I agree with Trey. I just don't think his long-term future is there in Chicago because – you know, Billy got a good look at him this year and he could have kind of molded him into any sort of player he wanted, but uh, he didn't really convince you that that, that uh, that's the sort of style that Billy uh, wants to go forward with. So I, I think uh, there'll be a market for him. And uh, if the Bulls decide to, to move on from him, I don't think they're going to be all that disappointed because he just hasn't really quite lived up to what they were hoping for. So he's uh, restricted, though, I guess. So I guess they can still, you know, yeah, still uh, match. match and sign and trade as well. So they can maybe get something in return but, for him. But but how much money is uh, Lowry Markkinen going to get out there? Like, is he going to get a more per year than, like, Alonzo Ball? Less? I mean, there's people, Enzo here in the stream team, task. Is Lowry going to demand that Berton's money? <laughs> like... I don't know if Enzo's kidding. Uh, it's like it might be some truth to it. Sixteen a year, wasn't it? Five yeah. eighty. Yeah. I mean, it's not that far fetched. I don't think <laughs> yeah. with his age and like Trey said, forty percent three point shooter and, and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, uh, what do you what do you think about this whole Lowry marketing situation? Before we wrap this up. Yeah. Do you have the hots for Lowry if you're another GM? I, I personally do, uh, but I, I totally agree that um, it's not going to be with the Bulls. I could see him uh, garnering that type of money uh, because of, uh, yeah, the way he came into this league. Then Jim Boylan uh, definitely didn't work with him whatsoever, asking him to uh, to just board and, and not be a ball handler. Uh, but I, I don't think he really works with the trajectory of this team either. I just think, you know, if, you, if you're going to rely on Kobe White, Zach Levine, and, and Vooch uh, to be your, your core three, I know you have Patrick Williams in there, you probably want more of a, a rim-defending type of defender uh, to complement those dudes. And, uh, I, yeah, that hasn't been Larry Markkinen, but he is um, a great offensive asset. So I think they are pumping up the personality. It, it's a good point by Trey. They are saying... Uh, this guy is a very, very good guy, and, and don't take those Jim Boylan years to heart. Uh, he, he's a good player, and yeah, I've I've watched the flashes, and it's hard to get those flashes out of my brain. He can shoot the lights out, uh, and uh, he can put it on the floor too if he is uh, given that that role, that confidence. If he has that, so uh, yeah, I think another team will definitely buy into that mm-hmm. as well. It's just not going to be the Bulls. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night, brought to you by BetMGM. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. JD, Tweet of the Night, what do you got, man? Yeah, well, that's actually from yesterday. We had such a jam-packed show yesterday that we couldn't fit this in. But it's uh, we have to really share this because we have a, 
a small but very dedicated community of creative people who take all the stupid shit we say <laughs> and make it into really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this week, uh, I'm Stefan Vasilev tweeted this, may I present to you my way of celebrating this historic 2021 NBA season, nodunksdiner.com. Mm. Welcome to the No Dunks Diner, a place to enjoy all our hashtag No Dunks specials. So the specials he's referring to are food puns, basically. So we've got Trey's Big Beef. Those yep. are rebounds, uh, as we know. And then the applesauce, which is assist. And that's and then that's basically it. But he does include the wedge, she Mm. As potato wedge, mm. right? Oh, not a salad. Which at first I was like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. But is it a stretch? I mean, that's actually, I'm never going to refer to potato wedges <laughs> as <laughs> potato wedges. Right. Again, it's it's a wedgie. They're wedgies. Give <laughs> me those wedgies. wedgies. <laughs> right. So let's have a look at the, at the site. Here it is. It's just a, a menu. And... This is also part of, this is the the weird thing that I guess I kind of don't get, but I do get. It's just a menu of things that have happened. You know, like here's the Rock Island wedgie. What is that? Well, it's a wedgie, you know, and so you can just watch the wedgie and it's, uh, you know, I mean, okay. I say, okay. I like it. I like it. Even though I was a bit pissed at uh, Stefan because... He, uh, he, well, he came at me with a bit of notes. I don't even know if he knew that it was me he was coming at, but uh, uh, weeks ago, months ago, I guess, when we, we started the, uh, the NBA happy hour, he, uh, he enjoyed the happy hour. He tweeted this, just finished the No Dunks happy hour, you know, watching it at regular speed, no edits. <laughs> In three sittings, it was probably with a four-hour one or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then he says he has a picture of our our end screen, yep. which I did. Come on, guys, what's with the kerning uh, of that uh, outro graphic font? Squeeze or reduce the size, but please don't mess with the cursive's kerning and flow. Oh, wow. Stefan, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. I do these things last minute. I had a graphic that I kind of liked, and I just picked a font and put it in there. I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, anyway, shout out to Stefan. Yeah. He does a great job. He did uh, he did the Canadian teams, which I loved, yep. and uh, he's always always comes through. Uh, we got the best audience in the world, no doubt. All right, Stefan winning uh, tweet of the night, but also a little a little heat there from JD <laughs> talking <laughs> kernings and flow. I mean, that's not I mean, JD's. That's uh, that's the aesthetic that uh, the Photoshop boys sort of went with there. We keep the, the kernings tight, man. Things are jammed up. <laughs> Please don't mess with the kernings on the cursive. Come on, relax. <laughs> Sit back on that. Watch your happy hours. Pop some popcorn kernings. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy yourself. Yeah, exactly. All right. Great tweet of the night, though. Uh, NoDunksDiner.com, right? That's yeah. the URL. You can go check that out. That's live right now. Shout out to Stefan. Okay, guys, that's it for us here today. We are back, well, later today with a very special podcast. Again, MSNBC's Chris Hayes. Oh my God, look at the kerning on that text. That is disgusting. (laughs) I like that the graphic makes it look like we actually set up this one-on-one game between Hayes and Fauci. Yeah, you're right. Now, of course, we're going with this. Look, got to get those clicks, right? But uh, we're going to be talking to Chris Hayes about that awesome video where he uh, did challenge uh, Dr. Fauci to uh, do a game of one-on-one basketball. And we're going to get the details on that. Is it going to happen? Did it already go down? We didn't know about it. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're going with the graphic. But we'll talk to him about his Bulls fandom. Maybe get his thoughts on Larry Market in there uh, <laughs> when we talk to him and uh, what it's like living in New York right now with the Knicks back in the playoffs. He's, he's a big got, he's got thoughts. He's got thoughts on Larry Market. Okay, guarantee. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> so that's later today, Tuesday. Um, we'll get it up in your podcast feed as soon as possible. But you can join us live for 12.30 p.m. Eastern with Chris Hayes talking hoops. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we're back in the morning to break down tonight's two games, those East play-in games, and, of course, preview and predict the two Western Conference play-in games uh, featuring that very, very juicy Lakers-Warriors game. That's on Wednesday. And then, just a reminder, Thursday and Friday, no morning shows. It's the late-night shows because we're going to wait for those games that are going to determine the final team into the playoffs on Thursday and Friday night. We'll wait for that to wrap up. We'll jump on here live late at night. Talk about that game, and then, of course, preview four 
of the actual playoff matchups on Thursday night and then the other four on Friday night because the playoffs tip off on Saturday. Okay, so that's the schedule for this week. Like, comment, and subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Email us your NBA questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin' Podcast. Grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And finally, subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks so they know that we sent you. All right, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, enjoy the NBA IPO, the initial play-in offering. I guess that was last year, but this is the real play-in. Right? (laughs) The first one? Yeah. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.